In John 16, Jesus said this, verse 1, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they've never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking, where am I going? Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you. It's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There's so much more that I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. There is power in your word. For centuries, your people have gathered around your word, the public reading of your word. And so today we just, we, we, we want to confess, we believe there are power, there's power in the words we just read. Holy Spirit, would you come now and would you give us spiritual eyes and ears to see hearts uh, that are soft and open to where you want us to lead? There's a lot of information we're going to cover today, but I would take, I pray that, I trust that you're going to take the information and you will lead it to transformation. You will help us to walk out of here, not just knowing things, but knowing and understanding how to follow Jesus closely. Jesus, everything that we do, we want it to be for your glory. So let this time glorify you now. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us today. If you're new or visiting, my name is Jerry. I'm one of the pastors here at, at the Carmel campus. And hello to those of you that are tuning in with us online. We've been studying through the Gospel of John for a while. We're going to continue in that study uh, today. But first, I want to tell you about an experience my wife had this summer. We were we were traveling with some friends, going on vacation. We had a great time. It was the longest time we've ever been away from our kids since having children. We're flying home. We're excited to get home. We're five miles in the air, okay? We have to stop for a quick layover to swap planes. And the pilot comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I just want you to know we're expecting our landing to be pretty darn bumpy. Now, when you're five miles up in the air, I don't care how often you've flown, when he comes on and says, it's going to get pretty darn bumpy, you tense up just a little bit, especially if you're like my wife and you don't like to fly anyway. And so I kind of like glanced over at her to see how she was doing. And she gave me a look that said, I really don't want to die on this plane today. And I kind of looked back at her and said, me neither. And so we were trying to calm each other and we got settled. And then once the pilot was done, then it was the stewardess turn. And she immediately got on the microphone and proceeded to repeat that phrase our landing is going to be pretty darn bumpy five or six times in 60 seconds, right? And everybody's, some people were laughing. I'll tell you who wasn't laughing, my wife. And you know how I know that? She was squeezing my hand like, oh my gosh. Like it was a little tense. When you hear the pilot say, it's going to get pretty darn bumpy, you just know that you're bracing for something, right? Now, as we've been studying through the gospel of John for this whole year, specifically the last few weeks, as we've been studying in John 13, 14, 15, and now 16, 
And I read this over and over again. What I feel like Jesus is saying to his disciples, to his followers, to the people that loved him and knew him best, I feel like what he's saying is, hey, I just want to let you guys know. I want to prepare you. When you choose to live out your faith in me, you should expect life to be pretty darn bumpy. You should expect life to be hard. And we talked about this last week in John 15. We talked about persecution and resistance, the resistance we feel in this world. And I know some of you students, you're, you're at school, you're working hard, but you're also putting your faith on display in Jesus. And it's not popular and it's not fun because some of your so-called friends like to poke at it. And they make fun of you and they ridicule you. They say you're brainwashed, but you know that you're following Jesus and you know that that matters, but it's not fun. You feel that resistance. Some of, us, some of you have graduated and now you're adulting and you're learning all the responsibilities of adulting and you're, nobody's telling you what to do. Nobody's making you engage in a church community. You're living your faith out. But what you're realizing is it feels lonely. You feel the resistance. It feels bumpy. You feel alone. Some of you are in a relationship with a spouse, a child, a parent, a neighbor, a coworker, somebody somewhere, and it's, it's not good. It's hard. It's difficult. And you're factoring your faith into it, and you're praying, and you're asking, God, please, will you help? Will you bring unity? Will you bring peace? But you feel the resistance. And all the spiritual work that you're doing, it just feels like wasted energy. Or many of us at work, we, we go into the office or wherever we go, and we carry the banner of Jesus with us. We do our best to represent him in everything that we do. But if we were honest, sometimes it feels like a disadvantage. Because when people find that out, not only do they make fun, but it starts to feel like a disadvantage because you get passed over. You get marginalized. It feels like you're being held back. In John 16, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's saying, I just want you guys to know, as you choose to live out your faith in me, you should expect things to be pretty darn bumpy. But thankfully, that's not all Jesus says in John 16. What we're going to see today in John 16 is in the midst of this long conversation that's been going on for several hours now, Jesus is going to remind them, hey, I want you all to know this. As you live out your faith in me, I've got you covered. I've got everything that you need. I'm going to send someone to be a defender, a counselor, a comforter, a protector. I've got you covered. But before we jump into John 16, let me remind you of some of the things Jesus has told his disciples. They did not know when they sat down to this meal, it would be their last meal. When, when they were breaking bread and he says, this is my body and this is my blood. They're like, oh, okay, whatever you say, Jesus. They didn't realize he was saying, no, really guys, pay attention. And so when they arrive at this home, he, he washes their feet. And after washing their feet in John 13, he says, hey, I just want you guys to know you're my best friends. One of you is going to betray me. And they didn't know who it was. They looked around the room. They were shocked. They were like, Jesus, we would never betray you. We love you. We're the ones that have stuck with you. So imagine whatever that emotion is. And then in John 14, he says, hey, I need to tell you guys, I'm getting ready to go somewhere and you can't go with me. And they're like, Jesus, we... We go everywhere. For three and a half years, we've gone everywhere. You've taken us places we didn't want to go. Why would we not go with you now? Imagine whatever that emotion is. And then last week in John 15, we, we saw him say this. He said, hey, you probably picked up on this, but the world hates me. I hate to tell you they're going to hate you too. And then his encouraging little pep talk continues. In the chapter 16, he says this, all this I've told you so that you will not fall away. 
they will put you out of the synagogue. They're, they're going to marginalize you. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you, not anyone that tries to kill you, anyone that kills you, 10 of the 11 around the table, they were going to die. They didn't know it yet. When anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God, they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. That word warn. How many times do we hear Jesus say warning? Not many. And he's just saying, I just, I just want to warn you guys, things are getting ready to get pretty darn bumpy. These men had known, and women had known Jesus on a deeply personal level. He started off as their rabbi and their teacher, but over the course of time, they've said, no, 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 you're the Messiah. You're God's chosen Messiah. You've come to make everything right. And now they're in the middle of this deeply emotional conversation. Just imagine the emotions that are swirling in the room. And then he says this, the bad news continues in verse five, I'm going away to the one who sent me. This is just a reminder. I'm getting ready to go somewhere and you guys can't come. But none of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these things. People are going to hate you because of me. People are going to want to kill you. I'm going away. I, they had to be confused. They had to be frustrated and helpless and overwhelmed and anxious. And in verse 6, I love, I'm a feeler. I love that Jesus says, oh, by the way, I get it. I, you're overwhelmed. I, I understand. And then in the next verse, he says something shocking. My friend Clay in our men's group this week, he said, but everything hinges on this verse. Look at what he says. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. I'm sorry, Jesus, what? It's good that you're going away? Why? It sounds horrible. It sounds like you're bailing on us right now. I mean, imagine, okay, here we are. We're all flying in a plane together. We're five miles in the air over the water. We've got a seat that's supposed to be a flotation device, should you need it, right? And all of a sudden, the pilot says, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know it's going to get pretty darn bumpy. Thankfully, there's one parachute. It's mine. I'm getting ready to leave. I hope you guys make it to the ground. Okay, thanks for flying with us today. Good luck. Deuces, I'm out. Boom, he's gone. And we're, we're, we're left to figure it out. I think that's how they felt. How on earth, why on earth, Jesus, are you leaving us right now when it feels like we need you the most. Well, Jesus explains himself. Verse seven, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Pause. Let's just ask all the questions. Jesus, what are you talking about? Who, who is, who's the advocate? Why are you going and we can't come? And how's that better? I mean, I, I, he had to ask these questions. They had to. Now, remember, this is part of a long conversation. This conversation has been going on for hours. And here's why that's important. This isn't the first time Jesus talked about the advocate. This isn't a standalone thing. And what I want to do with our time today is I want to walk you back through this, this long conversation because Jesus talks about the advocate several times. He makes promises. And essentially, he says, I've got you covered. Pay attention. I've got everything that you need. It's coming your way. So if you go back a couple chapters to John 14, earlier in the conversation, this is what Jesus says. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Pay attention to those two words, another advocate, to help you and to be with you forever. Now, the word advocate, we talked about this a few weeks ago, comes from the Greek word paraclete. 
It means someone that comes alongside. Throughout the Gospel of John, it's translated as comforter, helper, and counselor. It's a legal term used for someone that stands next to you in a court of law to strengthen your case. It carries with it this idea of someone that serves as an advisor, a legal defender, a mediator, or an intercessor on your behalf. This is a helper. So that's what the word advocate means. But there's another word that I want you to pay attention to. It's the word another. The word another in this passage means one just like the first. And this is really important. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm going to send you someone that is just like me. Not a cheap knockoff. Not a weird consolation prize. Someone that you can trust. And what we're going to see is Jesus is going to start to spell out the roles of this advocate. But in verse 17, he tells us who it is. He says he's the spirit of truth. And if you keep reading, this is what he says. The spirit of truth lives with you. Jesus lived with them. Now he says he will be in you. He will dwell in you. Now, if you've been around church for a while, you're probably familiar with the Holy Spirit. You've heard him mentioned before. Some, some traditions say Holy Ghost. But let's be honest, we don't talk a lot about him. We treat him like that weird uncle that shows up at Christmas and we're like, hey, I know we're related. You stay over there. I'll stay over here. It's good to see you this year, right? That's sad. This is, this is God in the Spirit. And for Jesus' followers, this was, this was brand new. Because in Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit, he would come on, his power would come on a certain person for a certain time in a specific situation. But now Jesus is saying, he will live in you. He's a he, he's not an it. You can trust him. He will live inside of you. And so here's Jesus' first promise about the Holy Spirit. He's gonna empower his followers. The Holy Spirit would come to empower his followers. I want you to think of it like this. The Holy Spirit has been sent by Jesus to bring God's unlimited, divine, and creative power to live inside of me and you. You cannot use it up. Some people will say, oh, it's like, a, it's like a power tool. You charge it up and you've got all the energy you need until it runs out. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never runs out. The Holy Spirit's better than two shots of espresso on a Monday morning, right? He doesn't make you jittery. He never runs out. Jesus is saying, I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit of God living in you is better than me living with you. In Jesus's humanity, he was limited to where he was at the time. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus could be with all of his followers everywhere. In Matthew, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. He's explaining how this is possible. And so when Jesus says, it's good for me, it's to your advantage that I'm going away, he's saying, trust me, this is way better. And if you keep reading down a few verses, he continues to talk about the role of the advocate. John 14, 25, he says, all this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, Father, Son, and Spirit, Trinity mentioned all there together. They work together. He says, the Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So Jesus promises, here's the role of the Holy Spirit. This is a two-part promise. He will continue to teach us about Jesus, and he will also teach us 
or he will remind us of Jesus's teachings. He will teach us and he will remind us of Jesus's teaching. Now, I'm gonna guess that you're like me and you find yourself on a regular basis in a circumstance, in a situation, or in a conversation where you need spiritual guidance. You don't know what to do. You're looking for words. You're looking for direction. Jesus says, good news. I know a guy. He's the advocate. He's the paraclete. He will guide you in those, in those moments. Jesus continues into John 15. This is what he says about the role of the Holy Spirit. When the advocate comes who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. So here's another promise. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would strengthen our witness for him. How often do you leave the house looking for ways to be, uh, I don't want to say persecuted because I don't know that we've ever really experienced persecution, but how many of us look forward to suffering for our faith in Jesus? None of us. We, we, we want to avoid that part of it because it brings with it doubts and fear. But remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the last beatitude, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus says you're blessed when you feel the resistance. You're blessed when people hate you because of me. And here in John 15, he's saying the advocate is going to come and he is going to live inside of you and he will, he will strengthen your testimony for me. He will give you God's supernatural courage and strength to stand up against anything, any person, any army of people. Jesus says, I promise this is the way it's supposed to work. Now, last week when Paul was here, we talked about the reality, like the church has been persecuted for centuries, but I think we need to be real and say, we've never really experienced persecution, but we do experience the resistance. We live in a world that is very, a culture that is very resistant to the things of Jesus. We can't say Merry Christmas on coffee cups. We can't, we can't pray in his name. That's resistance. And it's only going to get worse. But Jesus says, here's the good news. I'm going to send the advocate to give you all the strength you're going to need. You can speak as boldly as you want because I can do things. He can do things that you can't do on your own. So in John 14 and 15, Jesus makes a couple of promises about the advocate, the Holy Spirit. But now let's jump into the conversation we're having in John 16. So he's already told him all these things. And then in John 7 or 16, 7 and 8, he says this, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. I don't know if it's like the president and the vice president, they can't be there together. Jesus says, I got to go so he can come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen to this, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's another promise. The Holy Spirit will prove the world to be wrong. Now, this is good news for me and you because sometimes we think we have to prove the world to be wrong. Jesus says, no, 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 you're not that good. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit changes hearts. Now, you, he will live inside of you and I want him to use you but you let him do that work. Your responsibility is to be obedient. Your responsibility is to go where he says to go, to say what he says to say. And this is really interesting here. What, what we see when he says that the, 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 world, the Holy Spirit would prove the world to be wrong, the Holy Spirit moves from being our defense attorney, and now he becomes the prosecuting attorney against the world, to convict the world of sin and to help the world to know you need to repent. You need to put your faith in Jesus. You can be restored in your relationship with God. Listen to what Jesus says in verses uh, eight, 
through 11, he says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong on three counts, sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, Jesus spells this out because people do not believe in me. Sin is rejection. It's unbelief. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. After his resurrection, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God. Jesus says, I'm going to prove that I'm righteous. And in proving that I'm righteous, I will prove the world to be unrighteous. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now, we could dive down on all three of these, but I really think David Guzik has summarized this perfectly. He says, sin is what is true about man. We've all sinned against God. We've all rebelled against him. Righteousness is what is true about God. He is perfect. He is righteous. He is pure. He alone is holy. And judgment is that unfortunate intersection between our sinfulness and God's righteousness. And Jesus says the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of their unbelief, of their rejection to follow Jesus. Our role as students and moms and dads, men and women, is to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to let the Spirit work through us, and he will do his work to judge the world. Jesus continues in verses 12 and 13 to make another promise about the Holy Spirit. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I feel that every week when I preach. There's so much more I want to say, but I can tell you want to go to lunch. Jesus like you, I've got more than I want to tell you, more than you can now bear. You're overwhelmed. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So here's another promise. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would guide his followers into all the truth, everything that's true. If you want to know what truth is, if you get into a discussion with someone about what's true, pray to the Holy Spirit. Would you guide me into all the truth? Lead me into everything that is true. And here's what's interesting. Jesus says he will teach you about things in the future. Look back to what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, I have so much more to say to you, Jesus is admitting my teachings as they are right now are incomplete. We're running out of time. I can tell as I'm talking to you guys, you're overwhelmed. But here's the good news. I'm going to send someone and he will teach you everything that's true. He will continue to teach me, teach you about me. I think that's fascinating. Jesus admits it, but he says, it's okay. You can trust the Holy Spirit. This is, this is one of his roles. Now, how do we know that's true? How do we know that Jesus would, or that the Holy Spirit would continue to teach us things about Jesus that are true. Well, if you've ever read the New Testament, that's a good place to start. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're being lived out in this conversation. They hadn't been written down yet. The book of Acts, the history of the early church, all the letters that Paul wrote and John's revelation about the end of the world, the Holy Spirit inspired people to copy those things down and to collect them. And we, we now read them. So the Holy Spirit has kept his promise. He continues to reveal things that are true about Jesus. So that's a corporate thing, but I want you to think about how this looks in my life and in yours. The Holy Spirit continues to shape us into the character of Jesus every day. He teaches us. He reminds us of Jesus' teaching. He's continually guiding us into everything that is true. Now, this is a lot. It's a lot of information. And I want you to imagine you're sitting in the room, you're part of this conversation, and you're able to ask a question. What question would you ask Jesus? I want to believe I would be bold enough to say, got a question. I don't like any of this, Jesus. I can't believe you're going to, you have a lot of nerve to leave us. 
You've prepared us for this. Now you're telling us you got to go. We don't know where you're going. And how do we know that we can trust this advocate guy? How do we know he's like you? Jesus says, oh, cool. I got your answer. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Verse 14. Listen to this. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. After that, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus says, you can trust the Holy Spirit because he's only going to tell you what I tell him to tell you. I trust him and you should trust him. Do you trust me? Think about this. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now he's saying, if you trust me, you can trust the Holy Spirit. Jesus is also teaching us a couple of things. Essentially, he's saying, you can trust the Holy Spirit because we've always worked together. At creation, when I was speaking things into existence, Genesis 1-2 said the Spirit was hovering over the earth. We've always worked together. But there's another thing that Jesus is modeling here. In his humanity, Jesus was submissive to and dependent on the Holy Spirit. But think about this. After his resurrection, in his glorified state right now, the Holy Spirit is now submissive to Jesus. It's a beautiful thing how they work together. They're not in competition. They have the same goal. Okay, pause. Lots of information, right? Like I can see it on some of your faces. You're like, good night. Give me a break. You're in good company. I think that's how those men felt. So here's the question I've been asking all week. How do we make this practical? How, how does this make us better followers of Jesus? Well, here's my summary of John 16. Whenever we choose to live out our faith in Jesus, we should expect resistance. He warned us, you're going to be persecuted. But he also promised, I've got you covered. The Holy Spirit, God's divine unlimited spirit will live inside of you. So here's a question. Okay, then how do we tap into that resource? How do we tap in? Jesus taught on this in John 15. It's a passage that's familiar to us. We read this two weeks ago. This is what Jesus says in John 15. He uses this analogy. John 15, verse four, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The word remain, it's also sometimes translated as abide. It comes from the Greek word meno and this is what meno means to live in, to dwell in. Jesus says, if you want to know how this works, you need to live in me and I will live in you. Now that should sound familiar. Go back to the first time Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in this passage, John 14. What did he say? He will empower you. He won't just be with you. He will meno. He will abide. He will dwell. He will live in you. Here's my light bulb moment this week. When I don't know how to abide in Jesus, he said, oh, Jerry, I've got it covered. I'm living in you first. My spirit living in you will teach you how to abide in me. You don't have to, you don't have to work harder to be a better version of yourself. Just lean into the Holy Spirit. Now that's a little scary. What does that mean? It looks like obedience. It's, it's, it's admitting that I can't work to get ahead. I can't please God apart from Jesus. And so if you're looking for a practical application today, here's my practical application for you. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you, will you teach me how to abide? 
Will you teach me how to remain? You, guys, we cannot do it on our own. Do whatever he tells you to do. I'm tempted to give you a practical application, but my application, your application, they might be different. Same spirit, different lives. Ask him, he will lead you. When you read God's word, the spirit will bring it alive to you. When you discuss it with people, pay attention because I think that's when the Holy Spirit does his best work as we sharpen one another. When you pray and you don't know what to pray, Paul says the spirit will pray things for us that we don't even know what to pray about. Ask the Holy Spirit for his guidance. It's, this is Jesus' promise to us. The message of the gospel that Jesus taught and that all the writers of the New Testament, the Christians for century, centuries have proclaimed is we trust in what's been done for us. Jesus' death to pay for our sins, his resurrection to prove he has the power to give us eternal life, his promise to return again. Jesus says, you believe in me, your sins are forgiven. You are restored in relationship with your heavenly father and I will give you my spirit to live inside of you, to shape you, abide in me. Ask the Holy Spirit for his guidance. If you have proclaimed faith in Jesus, he lives inside of you. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder. We rest in him. So ask him how to do this. But I realize that some of us, many of us, maybe you're investigating Jesus. You like what you see, but you've not confessed him. You've not said, Jesus, I've messed up my relationship with God. Jesus says the sin of the world is unbelief and rejection, but the gift of God is grace through faith in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, again, your sins are forgiven. You're restored with your heavenly Father and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never made that decision, today could be the day. I don't know what you're waiting on. There's not a better offer. His divine, unlimited power living inside of you. And so we, as we wrap up, as we close, our worship team is gonna sing a song over you as a prayer. You can stand and you can join in with them if you want. Maybe you need to sit and close your eyes and let it wash over you but I want you to pay attention to the words because it summarizes everything that we're talking about. But if you need prayer, if you don't know where to go next or if you've not started a relationship with Jesus, I'll be up here, Dan will be up here, come forward. Don't force your way through this life alone. That's not how it's meant to work. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the power of your word revealed to us in John 16. I am so thankful that we are not meant to do this on our own. We're not strong enough. Jesus, I am so thankful that you said, I'm gonna give you a warning. It's going to get hard, but I've got you covered. I've got everything that you need. My Father's gift to you is when you put your faith in me, he will fill you with his divine spirit. Holy Spirit, would you fill us from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head to overflowing? We cannot use you up, so help us to lean in especially when we face resistance. When we share our faith, help us to anticipate people not liking that, but trusting that you're able to do more than all we could ask or imagine. I pray for anyone here right now, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to, that you're drawing. Help them to be courageous enough, bold enough, wise enough to respond and to surrender to Jesus. Jesus, we lift our hearts to you. Let our lives glorify you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.